Yes, hello, 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 and welcome back to a brand new episode of the McLav Podcast. As always, my name is Michael, and thank you so much for listening, wherever you're doing it, however you're doing it. And as always, I thank you so much for doing so. I hope you're having a fantastic day, and I hope you're ready. It's that time of year again. The winter's over, spring has sprung, and after a long, racingless winter, we're back, and we're back with the Formula One 2023 season preview. That's right, after two and a half, maybe three long months of waiting, it's back. Formula One is back on our screens this weekend, starting with the first race of the season in Bahrain. And this episode is, as I mentioned, a season preview. And I'm not doing it by myself, no, no. I have enlisted the help of an expert, a friend of mine, who I'll introduce in just a second. We recorded this separately, I'm doing this introduction just shortly after we've recorded. Um, I'll be joined by Morgan Short. Uh, who is a, a racer himself, a friend of mine, a former flatmate of mine, and you know I was a former flatmate <laughs> of his. We'll talk about all things drivers, teams, circuits, and we'll even go down into the you know the deep nitty gritty technical stuff as far as deliveries. Yes, that's right, the colours of the cars, the deep and technical stuff that you really want to hear in a Formula One season preview. So hopefully you enjoy. Hopefully you enjoy the season that's coming up. Hopefully we get. Something a little bit more exciting than last year's product. It maybe will, maybe won't. It remains to be seen. But other than that, I hope you enjoy. And this is the Formula One 2023 McLav Podcast Season Preview. And it's lights out and away we go. Right, joining me now on the podcast is my guest for this episode. He is the, uh, the McLav Podcast Formula One expert. It's his second time appearing on the podcast for this very topic, and I'm delighted to welcome in Morgan Short. Morgan, how are you? No, it's good to be back. Good to see you. Last time I uh, last time I did this was two years ago. Now, a lot's happened since then in the world of Formula One and and everything else, really. So it's good to good to be back. Yeah, and a lot's happened with yourself as well. You are now racing for the National Motorsport Academy in the in GT Cup this season. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this year we've uh, we've me and my brother will be teaming up. And racing, uh, racing a Mosler in the GT Cup Championship, which is uh, basically the second highest profile GT Championship in the UK behind British GT. Uh, so it's a very popular championship, and it's a big step up for both of us. But we're both looking forward to it. And how are you feeling about racing alongside your brother? That must be exciting. Yeah. So, so last year was our first year together as teammates, racing in a in a variety of things, and this year. It's going to be interesting to see how we handle the added pressure, but we've got a really good dynamic. We work really well as teammates. You know, we, we want to push each other, you know, more than a normal teammate pairing would. So that just adds to that competitive nature and brings out the best in both of us. So uh, looking forward to it. Are you quicker than him? I'd say at the moment, yes. He's definitely got a lot of, he's got a lot of raw ability, but I've definitely had more experience at this point. We have different strengths. We work to each other. 
and uh, and we uh, we get on really well. I bet your dad's happy about that on on the sidelines. Yeah, no, he absolutely loves it. You know, he, he's he's not he enjoys watching us race more than he does racing anymore. So he's in a really good in a really good uh, situation as well. Yeah, well, you are also in a really good situation to help me and help the listeners of this podcast preview this upcoming season of Formula One. As I say, you've been on the pod <coughs> you've been on the podcast before. What we're going to do for those listening is we're going to go through each of the teams. Uh, the constructors talk a little bit about the driver parents, the, si- the state of the team, the situation, what we think uh, of their chances really for this upcoming season. Then we're going to go through, look at the calendar, uh, look at each of the races, and then we're going to make a few predictions towards the end of the episode. Now, myself and Morgan did try to record a bit of this last night, and technology failed us miserably. Uh, we tried to record it over Zoom, and it, it wasn't... Uh, just wasn't working, so we got about as far as two or three teams in, so forgive us if it sounds a little bit scripted to begin with, it's because we've literally had this conversation less than 12 hours ago, so uh, or 24 hours ago, um, so we'll start, we're going to go in reverse order from last year's Stantons, and we're going to start at the back of the grid, we're going to start with Williams, Alex Albon, Logan Sargent, Morgan, what are your thoughts for, for this, for the Williams team this season? Yeah, so Williams are they are the team that has improved the most since last year's test. Obviously, you look at testing and you have to take everything with a pinch of salt because you never know what programs people are running, if they're going for you know outright pace, race pace, all that sort of stuff. So you've got to take all these uh, all this information with a pinch of salt. But they did improve the most from this time last year, improving by nearly 2.4 seconds on their best time. Um, it looks like they're still going to be you know one of, if not the slowest car again this season. Um but maybe not as far back as they were last season. Still expect Albon uh, to uh, drag a few points finishes out of it. Maybe Sargent as well. Obviously, Sargent coming off the back of a very strong debut F2 campaign, finishing P4, getting Rookie of the Year, being the highest finishing rookie, which is you know nothing to be frowned upon, despite the fact that the grid last year wasn't the most competitive we've seen. Um, it wasn't quite the you know George Russell year or the Leclerc year, but we had some real, real top tier drivers in there. But it's still he's still a very, very obviously capable driver. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can push Albon a little bit more than Latifi did last year. And do you think Albon's fixed well enough? Is, is, does he have the right attitude? And obviously, all of his experiences in Formula One, it's now probably going to be strange for him to be leading a team to be the main driver do you think he has that in him to be a true number one driver yeah you know when you when you look at Albon's you know even his uh, upbringing and his journey into motorsport let alone Formula One he went through so many trials and tribulations you know there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that he had with his family and money and sponsorship getting into uh, Formula One and then being dropped by Red Bull was meant to go to Formula E and then Red Bull needed a driver and then he stepped up to the mark and he was in Toro Rosso and then obviously went to Red Bull didn't quite outwork didn't quite work out there but he's you know he's obviously a very very mentally strong person and I don't think that'll be a problem for him at all. Uh, obviously new team principal at Williams this year do you think that'll uh, shake things up uh, but maybe the philosophy yeah, that, that, of the team that, that was one of the that was you know that was a pretty surprising addition over the off season getting James Vowles in obviously very very respected uh, uh, a member of staff at Mercedes and you know that this he's he's not had a team principal position before but he is you know a huge part of Mercedes success over the last decade or so so it will be interesting to see if he can make a solid difference to them yeah, and obviously then we'll talk about the, the most trivial aspect of Formula 1 in any season, any year at all, is deliveries. Uh, we mentioned it briefly last night when we were recording. The uh, the Duracell Williams, it debuted in the middle of last season, but a lot of people seemed to be taken by surprise when it was unveiled at the start of this year. 
What do, what, do, what do you think of the Williams? Yes. Um, yeah, so obviously people were quite shocked when that came out, but I thought, well, that's been there for ages. But that's a, you know, that's a very clever bit of marketing. It's, it's, a, it's a nice little touch to the livery. Uh, what, what I was saying last night is that what, what Williams need at the moment is a bit of consistency with their liveries. You know, they're trying to build a solid foundation and move further up the grid. Over the last five seasons, they've had five completely radically different liveries, even two in the same season when they had the Rocket red livery in testing and then they Rocket dropped the sponsorship and they had to change it completely for the start of the season. So a bit of consistency, you know, we criticise teams like Red Bull uh, and Ferrari for having the same livery every year or a similar livery every year. But, you know, consistency is, <laughs> as cringe as it is, the consistency is key, and especially with the livery. There obviously is some slight difference from last year, some slight yeah. improvements, I think. Um, but consistency is uh, is what Williams need right now, and they've got a very solid foundation to work on with this livery. Moving on up the grid then, Alpha Tari, Yuki Sonoda, Nick DeVries. Are we allowed to call DeVries a rookie? As I say, you know, he's been in just about every other seat in the grid. Uh, what are your thoughts for Alpha Tari ahead of Susan? Yeah, so obviously DeVries came in last minute at Monza last season and did uh, and did a tremendous job in that Williams, you know, finishing P10 in his, in his F1 debut in a Williams. Um I've not been the huge, you know, I've always not rated DeVries massively highly. Obviously, there was this sort of myth that he was a young up and coming superstar. And then people, when he actually made it to that F1 seat, realised he's actually 27. Um, but, you know, he's obviously a very, very capable driver. I'd, you know, he seems like a nice guy. He's obviously worked hard to get in this position. Um, won, winning the Formula E World Championship as well, which, you know, it's not the most high profile of championships compared to Formula One. But, you know, still it is a world championship. He did very well in that, winning it. Um, with the backing of Mercedes as well. Sonoda, on the other hand, he is obviously entering his third season of Formula One, and it's going to be an interesting dynamic for AlphaTauri. They've they're obviously a young, inexperienced team with three years and one race total experience between them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if either of them is, uh, can take the reins of the team and lead it forward. Um, obviously, Sonoda would be expected to do that as the quote more experienced driver, but you know, there's not. There's not much to suggest that he is capable of leading a team. He's always been behind Gasly. And, you know, you just look at his his attitude on track. He's, you know, Red Bull had to hire a psychiatrist to try and get his temper tantrums down. So I, re- I like Sonoda. I think he's a very quality driver. But I also think he needs to improve on his racecraft and also his mentality as well. Yeah, and you were mentioning last night about AlphaTauri potentially breaking away from the whole Red Bull setup. Um is that a good move for them? Is that something that you know could maybe put them in a bit of bother going forward? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's you know there's been some there's it's only rumblings that are going on at the minute about AlphaTauri potentially wanting to move away from Red Bull. I think I think the the thought process is that when AlphaTauri are associated with Red Bull, there's no way they're going to be pushed further up the grid to compete with Red Bull because you know that's not the point of the team as it stands. Although it's meant to be a sister team, not a junior team. It's really is a junior team, you know. It, it's 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 never gonna it's never gonna be given the opportunity to push itself further up the grid. So it could definitely be a strong move for them, um, but also Red Bull will probably want to keep them uh, as their quote sister team. But uh, we won't know what that really means. Yeah, and speaking of Red, Red Bull, Red introduced the AlphaTauri livery. Uh, I'm not a fan of it personally. Uh, it doesn't look great. What, what do you think of that? No, I'd, I'd, I would say it's the worst livery of the grid this year. In my Obviously, everyone can have their different opinions, but for me, it's my least favourite. I, I really, really miss the old Toro Rosso liveries before AlphaTauri took over. They, I, they were 
that, that really striking blue with the bright red that just worked so well. Uh, they had a solid first base of the Alpha Tower livery, but it's sort of stagnated a bit since then. And it's not, you know, it's just not the most striking car on the grid. So yeah, it's, it's not my favorite. And it's sort of, for me, it sort of represents where Alpha Tauri are as a team. They're sort of very middle of the road towards the back. I don't think they're ever going to, you know, push themselves much further forward. And so I think this season, they're right in the middle of the improvement times from last year as well, improving by 1.7, which is pretty much slap bag in the middle. So I don't particularly see much more coming from Alpha Tauri this season. Uh, moving on then, Haas, a team that last year sort of sprung out of the gates, got off this flying start. Everybody was delighted. Kevin Magnussen obviously coming back into the setup alongside Mick Schumacher. Schumacher's now out. We've got Nico Hulkenberg back in, and this is probably one of the 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 first interesting driver pairings that we've come across and, and who we're talking about. Um, you know, a bit of history between these guys haven't got on well. Yeah, suck my balls, honey, I yeah. think was the, uh, was yeah. the phrase used. Um, so a lot of people will obviously reference that one incident, but as you were saying to me last night, they're... They're older now, they're more mature, they seem to be working well together. Yeah, they're, they're two, you know, extremely professional drivers. Uh, you know, I'm sure they can, they're both very experienced. They, I'm sure they can uh, get over any issues they may have had in the past. But, you know, in a in a racing paddock, in a racing scenario, you've got, you know, when you have rivalries, rivalries with people, it's very common. And like, like, Seb, like Vettel said a few years ago, you can't take anything as literally as it may come across because emotions are extremely high. This is the most, this is the most competitive environment in the world. I'd say, you know, you've only got 20 of these guys fighting for a seat. It's the most exclusive high profile sport in the world. And, you know, people, things slip up and things come out and it doesn't necessarily reflect their actual opinions of one another. So in terms of that driver pairing, I don't see any issues with it. It's a very solid pairing. Obviously people can have their opinions on Schumacher. People were very upset when he left, but I think personally that, it wasn't working. He he cost the team too much. Another team that can afford those kind of mistakes, absolutely, you know, maybe keep him on. But with Haas, who arguably with Williams have the lowest budget on the grid, you know, I think this is the first year that they've actually reached the budget cap this year. Um, they just simply didn't have the budget to keep allowing wrecks from Schumacher every 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 other weekend. So whether or not you think Hulkenberg was the right replacement, he is definitely a very solid, safe pair of hands that him him and Magnussen can come in and, and do a real solid job for them. What do you, what do you make of the Haas car then? Uh, obviously, it's modelled very heavily off the Ferrari and the partnership that they're in. Do you think it'll still be sort of like middle of the road this year? Obviously, they did a few good results last uh, it, year. It, it, so, this, so Haas are one of the only two teams that improves by less than a second from last year's testing and obviously they were one of the slowest cars last year I, I don't particularly see any improvement from them in relation to where they actually stand um, but the most important thing will be if they can get some development through the year because that's been their problem they've they've yeah. start they've normally started out with a solid car and then as the year goes on other teams yeah they fall behind the other teams as they get more uh, investment and development so it will just depend if they can We've obviously got a new title sponsor with MoneyGram that might you know that might be able to push them a bit further forward, but we're only going to really see as the season progresses. And speaking of money, Graham, most cars, well, not most, but uh, quite a few cars on the grid this year going for that stripped-back look, maybe a wee bit more exposed car when trying to save a bit of weight in their liveries. What do you make of the, the new look, sort of darker Haas? No, I, I quite like the livery this year. It's uh, I think it's an improvement on last year for sure. Um, as controversial as it was, the rich energy Haas looked yeah. great. And so I am a big, you know, Black cars look more racy, and I think they've done a pretty good job with it this year. Black cars, white cars, moving on to the green car. 
Aston Martin, a team now that has been run through the rumour mill massively over the off-season. Um, people saying they could be as high as third at the end of this year's Constructors' Championships. What do you make of their chances this season? Yeah, so they, they've been they've been tipped for good things. They are the second most improved car from last year's testing. They um, Yeah, so they improved by nearly 2.4 seconds as well. They're very, very close to Williams uh, in terms of improvement time. It appears in the long runs that they had extremely good pace over the long run. Uh, Martin Brundle's uh, speaking on that earlier uh, the other day. And it, you know, it looks like that's the most important thing. You can set blistering lap times in testing, but the long runs is what's really important. And it looked like their long run was very successful. Toto Wolff of Mercedes has, has obviously tipped them to be in the battle with Mercedes and Ferrari for second in the championship behind Red Bull. That could be a bit of hyperbole. It could be a bit dramatic. You know, we know how Toto is with uh, with his comments about other teams. So, well, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. But uh, they, uh, you know, they've had a history of being sort of that best of the rest team. Obviously, with the controversial pink Mercedes, the Aston Martin years haven't been haven't been the most successful so far. But we know, you know, that team's DNA going back to Racing Point and Force India, and 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 so on is uh, is definitely a competitive team. So if they can bring that back, then that'll be great for the sport. What do, what do you make of this driver pairing, Alonso Stroll? Obviously, Stroll, his dad owns owns the team. Um, Alonso, such a fiery character, has been for so many years. Um, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, so there's there's three things certain in life: death, taxes, and uh, Lance Stroll being in an Aston Martin. So, <laughs> so he's got that seat safe. So, in terms of his actual career, he doesn't have much to worry about. But he's got a real task. You know, he was against Vettel, and obviously Vettel, extremely respected driver, but he wasn't the same driver that he was. You know, ten years ago. Alonso seems to be as good as he was 10 years ago. He's, he's absolutely on fire. Obviously, he finished behind Ocon in the standings this year. But, you know, if you look at all the reliability issues he had, he, he basically DNF'd every other race. And Ocon had very few in comparison. So he is still one of the fastest drivers on the grid. So this is going to be a real challenge for Stroll. Stroll, I think, has had some unfair criticism. I think he is a stronger driver than people like to make out. Um, but he still, you know, he has a lot to learn still. He's still young, you know, still only 24. Um younger than Russell that people yeah. forget so he you know he has been in the sport a long time but he's still a young driver so there's not many people better to learn from than Alonso so if he can utilize that then uh, he'll have a really good season if given the right machinery if this Aston Martin holds up to all its promises over the over the winter can Alonso fight at that top top end of the grid can he nab a few podiums is that is yeah, that possible if, if if the car is as good as 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 predicted at the moment then definitely you know do you, th- do you think it is do you think it's as oh like i said I'll, I'll believe it when i see it because there's so many things the rumor mill spins so much over the uh over the winter and over testing that you know you can't really take anything literally um or you have to take everything with a pinch of salt like i said earlier so hopefully it'll be really good for the sport if he can and and i think you know, there's not many. I think he is in that top caliber of drivers, along with you know Verstappen and Hamilton and Leclerc, that that sort of tier of driver. So I think if there's anyone that Aston Martin, you know, have at their disposal to get to get those podium finishes, Alonso's the man. Um, and obviously the the green car, the only green car in the grid. What do you think of it? No, I like the Aston Martin. I think obviously another car that changed very little from last year, but again, consistency keeping that brand, you know, there's not too much they can do, you know, because it's Aston Martin, it's going to stay green. They can't change the colour. The livery is actually a very good looking livery and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So no complaints from me. Uh, Alfa Romeo then, Joe Guan Yu, Valtteri Bottas. Um, sort of, 
in, in my mind, it's sort of from the outside looking in, and maybe this is just a bit naive for me, but just a bit of a quiet team, just sort of you know quietly going about their business, not at the back end of the grid, but also with no real threat of pushing forward. What do, what do you make of that setup and that team? Yeah, no, you 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 are pretty accurate with that. You know, they're they're not they've never been a front running team. They've never you know apart from a season here or there, they've never really been a back marker. They always have been in that sort of middle of the road team. Um, they got a strong driver pairing. I know that you know the the standings didn't reflect it well with uh, Bottas getting a huge amount more points than Joe, but I do think Joe had a really strong season. Got very unlucky, um, and you know really started to perform when the car wasn't at its best, and they neither of them yeah. were getting points. So, and he had a lot of bad luck, a lot of you know uh, unavoidable incidents and 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 technical issues. So, I think. They'll be closer. Hopefully, they'll be closer in the standings this season. Before Joe came into F1, I was I was a bit skeptical skeptical because he competed in an F2 era that wasn't the most competitive either. You know, lost to Latifi, and 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 you know, I wasn't too sure how he'd fare in Formula One. Obviously, money and the Chinese backing yeah. uh, played a big role in him getting that seat. But he honestly, I think he 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 outshone my expectations completely. I think he's one of the most underrated drivers on the grid at the moment. And another team with an, uh, a new team principal, more background moves being made there. Um, what what like the makeup of the team? They're obviously looking forward then to twenty twenty six and this potential Audi uh, entry into Formula yeah. One. Long term, do you think this is a good setup for the team, and how do you see their path playing out over the next few years? Yeah, obviously losing Fred Vasseur, who's been at the team for you know a number of years, he's he's been you know him and Sauber have gone hand in hand for for a long, long time. So. So him leaving and going to Ferrari, you know, could have the potential to change it, you know, be better or for worse. But uh, it seems like that team is moving in a, uh, you know, they, they've got, they haven't, they haven't got a quote team principal this season. They've got, uh, you know, they've got some other name for it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works and and if that ties in with the uh, with the Audi connection coming in in twenty twenty six. McLaren then. Uh, a new lineup here as well: Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri, one Australian replacing another. One that, in my mind, could be potentially quite disruptive. Maybe I'm again being naive when I think of that, but I, I see this as uh, could be quite a difficult pairing for this season. Yeah, obviously, this is you know, this is one of the most exciting young driver pairings on the grid. Uh, Piastri winning Formula Two in 2021 in his debut season was, you know. It's a feat that only the best, you know, some of the best drivers in the sport have achieved, like Leclerc and Russell, um, you know, the, the highest rated young drivers in the sport. So it's a no mean feat to be looked at. Obviously, it was a, I think it was a travesty. He didn't have a seat last season. And then all the drama that occurred with Alpine yeah. announcing him and then him announcing that he hadn't signed with Alpine and, and then going to McLaren. I think that could have been a mistake because looking, well, actually, we, we don't really know because McLaren are, one of the were one of the most disappointing teams in testing, but so were Alpine. So maybe he did make the right move, but it's definitely an exciting young driver pairing. I think Lando, you know, he has led the team for the last two seasons. He's one of the one of the best drivers on the grid. So I don't think there'll be a problem with him. And I think if Piastri, you know, Piastri is going to come in with a, you know, try and do his best. But I do think that there will be a. Uh, it's going to be difficult for him to match Lando because he's driving at such an elite level. Do you think it's a clear one-two situation then? I don't know about a clear one-two situation. Obviously, I think that Lando will be the number one driver at the start of the season, but I think that, you know, Piastri does have the ability. I think he will be closer than Ricciardo was because that car just didn't suit Ricciardo at all. I don't think Ricciardo's finished. I don't think, you know, he's washed or whatever people want to say. But 
that car just completely did not suit his driving style whatsoever. So it's going to depend if 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 Piastri can adapt to this car better than uh, better than Ricciardo did. Norris is obviously he's been the leader as you said of that team for two years. He outperformed Daniel Ricciardo, the big name that come in that everybody sort of thought was going to level the playing field within McLaren. Piastri comes in, a bit of a fiery character, he wins Formula 2, he's going to want to prove himself, and in my mind, yes, maybe for the first couple of races, sort of embed himself with the team, get used to how operations run and whatever else, but in my mind, maybe six, seven races in, he could start getting a bit chirpy, he could start really voicing his opinion, and you know, maybe upset the apple chart a little bit. Maybe I'm I'm just hoping for a bit of drama when I say that, maybe I'm, I'm trying to dramatise things too much, but in my mind, I just think, there's potential for it to be quite disruptive. Yeah, well, there's there, there are rumblings, you know, that, that Norris could be unhappy this season because, you know, he signed a long-term deal with McLaren, but they're not really moving forward in the direction that he wants them to. I, I don't think he'll win. A, I don't see him winning a championship with McLaren, which is what he signed this long contract to do. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens towards the end of the season. If, if, if anyone at the top teams drops out or, you know, Red, Red Bull have been very interested in in, yeah. uh, in Norris over the years. And I think that, you know, he's being lined up maybe as a Perez replacement or I think I think another possibility is a Lewis replacement when he eventually does retire. But to be honest, I, I, I don't see that coming this year or next year. So I think personally Norris has got to find a way out of there. Um, but I'm not quite sure how he does that while making a step forward. Yeah, um, Alpine then, a team that you mentioned that also didn't perform too well in the test. An all-French lineup: Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon. Good for the brand. Good, good for for yeah, the image. Yeah, Zidane in there as well. Yeah, the, 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 it's it's all French. It's all blue, white, and red. But is it looking good on track? What 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 do you, what do you make of this season? Well, they are the only team that was actually slower than last year in testing. So they were worse by 0.064 seconds. And then the next least improvement from last year was Haas, who gained eight tenths of a second. So it's That's quite a huge golf. It's a huge golf. Obviously, like like I said. Again, sound like a broken record. Pinch of salt with everything that comes in testing, but no, they were they were extremely poor over testing. Um, I think they have got a very solid lineup. Obviously, again, like Hulkenberg and 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 Magnussen, people like to look into the past between the two drivers and that they quote you know don't like each other. Yeah. But again, they're professionals in the most elite sport in the world, so I'm sure they can grow up and get over it. But the problem is that car does not look anywhere near as strong as it did for last season, being uh, being one of the best of the rest last season. Um. Who takes the lead there? Uh, it's going to be interesting because obviously Ocon, Ocon's been there for a few years now. Um, he will be, you know, the quote number one, uh, just in terms of, you know, just yeah. in the most literal sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, but it will be interesting to see the dynamic. Obviously, Gasly didn't have an amazing season last year. Obviously, he, I think he was one of the drivers of the season, the season before. Yeah. But last year, he sort of took a step back from that elite season that he had. Um, so it will be interesting to see how they fare against each other. Obviously, uh, Gasly coming in the new team, he won't be expected to be the number one straight away. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see if he can if he can get up to speed and, and push Ocon. Um, moving into the top three then, uh, we'll start with Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, can they bounce back? Is is this a season of revenge and redemption for, for Mercedes? I hope, I really, really hope so, but... You know, I, over the winter when when Mercedes started, you know, hyping up the new the new car, I started getting really excited. You know, with certain TikTok and media things they put out there, it looked like they were very confident that the car would be would be up there. But uh, 
it doesn't seem that way. You know, it's obviously they're a huge improvement from last season, being one of only four teams that improved by only two seconds from last year's test. And they're definitely, you know, they're definitely a huge step forward from where they were at the start of last season. So you've got to look at the positives of it, but they weren't quite on that pace of Red Bull or Ferrari for that matter. So again, can't look at everything too literally in testing. Yeah. Uh, there was a report yesterday that came out saying that, uh, you know, Mercedes aren't, they think that people's disappointment is a bit over the top. They, you know, they looked at the long runs, they they look at the improvement they've made and, you know, they, they've they've said specifically they're not building a car to perform well at Bahrain. Yeah. You know, they've, they're trying to build a car that will perform well over the entire season. They've got more stuff coming. So it seems like they still are confident, but there's been a lot of talk from them and, you know, I just want to see it be put into action. So hopefully... You know, I don't. I think think they'll have a slow start again. I don't know if they'll be pushing for the championship, but I do think, hopefully, you know, Mercedes are still Mercedes, and and they'll and they'll make a significant improvement towards the end of the season. From from a fan's perspective, you make a very good point. Um, you yourself being a Mercedes fan, all the preseason testing running now is done in Bahrain. It's it's what we see for three days, and then it's the first race of the season, and it. it presents an opportunity for people to be very downbeat very early because it's the only track we've seen the car on. Um, what do you make of that setup? You know, obviously moving to Bahrain away from Spain, it's all televised now. Are you a fan of that? Yeah, no, I, I enjoy that a lot. I think, it's, I think it's great for the sport. You know, there's there's a lot of people that enjoy the technical side of the sport as well as the racing. So it's, it's, it's definitely, I definitely think it's a good thing. I'm not the big, I wasn't never the biggest fan of testing at Spain and then it being all behind closed doors. So to be at Bahrain and then race there the next week is, you know, I think it's a good, you know, fast paced way to start the season. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's been a good switch. Uh, back to Mercedes then, Hamilton, Russell, um, who, you know, it seems silly to ask the question, you know, who's the number one driver there because Lewis Hamilton is in the car, but can, can Russell, you know, can he take a step forward and you know maybe put a, put his name on this team and say that that you know he's taking charge this season? Well, you know, my my belief is that this this is the strongest driver pairing on the grid. Just you know, if you look at the averages, and they may you know I think Verstappen at the moment, hot take, yeah. he is the best driver <laughs> on the grid at the moment. Um, but you know, in terms of driver pairing, I think they are not only the strongest, but I think they seem they're the most harmonious as well. Last season. You know, Lewis had a slow start, but people people don't realise, or you know, they are now starting to realise that at the start of the season, George was just told you drive the car as fast as you possibly can, and Lewis was basically made well, or you know, helped. It wasn't made to. This was a team effort. You know, he was the one who was you know trying to find out what was wrong with the car, what could go better with it. So he was doing all the experimentation, and Mercedes gave George free reign to get used. To, you know, it's his first season in. Well, first full season in Mercedes, so they gave him free reign to go and just push as hard as he possibly can. Whereas Lewis took more of a development role, and then obviously we saw towards the end of the season, you know, the disparity because Lewis was normally slightly behind Russ at the start of the season, and then he became the stronger driver towards the end. Um, so I think you know Lewis will still be the number one, but I also think that it's a very harmonious relationship between the team in this rebuilding phase that they're in. Because if they were if they were the fastest car on the grid. I think it would be a different story, but you know, this they're both fully focused on getting Mercedes back to the front and back to winning ways. You know, both of them are you know, Lewis wants that eighth title, George wants that first title. Yeah. So, you know, George experienced that win last season, uh, which was obviously great to see. Either one of those could have won it. Obviously, we had a slight incident which uh, lost Lewis some time, which could have changed it, which would have been 
which would have been great for me as a huge Lewis fan, but I'm also, you know, a huge Russell fan as well. So I was really happy to see that. So I think there's going to be no issues between that driver pairing while Mercedes are in this rebuilding phase. If they do get back to the front and they are fighting for a championship, we can, you know, we can revisit that because the dynamic changes at that point. But right now, it seems like Mercedes are very, very unified in their goals getting back to the front. Yeah, and the black is back. You said, obviously, you think cars with a black livery look a little bit sportier, a little bit racier. Are you happy to see the black livery Yeah, back? no, I, I, I wasn't a fan of last year's livery. I think there were, A, it wasn't the best. Look, I like the silver liveries that they've done in the past, especially like in the later hybrid era, just before they went to black. Yeah. Some of those deliveries were great. I just think the sort of like the matte sort of silver and the and the blue just didn't particularly work for me last season, along with the, with the Ineos at the top. So I think this is a big improvement from last year. I think it is the best looking car on the grid. Um, not just from a bias fan yeah. point of view. I do, I do think them and Ferrari are the two best looking cars this season. So speaking of Ferrari then, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, uh, you mentioned earlier Fred Vasseur, and as the team principal there, Matteo Bonato, out. Um, can Ferrari push on? Can they challenge Red Bull? Can they take that next step that, that, that makes them world champions again? Yeah, you know, they had such a strong start as last season. They And, you know, they had the fastest car for a significant portion of the season. But Ferrari mistakes, poor development, Red Bull's excellent development, just sort of, you know, the title was over basically halfway through the season. So, you know, Leclerc, did make some mistakes, but he is, I think, over one lap, he could argue would be the fastest driver on the grid. And I think, again, it's a very, very strong driver pairing. I think Sainz, you know, Sainz still has some work to do, but I think he did he did well last season, obviously did get a win as well. So I think it's a strong driver pairing. And I think, you know, with Fred Vasseur coming into the team over Bonotto, Bonotto was never a team principal. You know, he was he was a car man at his yeah. heart. You know, he, he, was, he was a designer and development man at his heart. So... Now they've got in a very solid team principle. This is a big step up for Vasseur. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles it. But, you know, it seems like they're pushing in the right direction. As he said, you know, when Ted asked him if you're, if you know, how you do expect to challenge Verstappen with with no clear number one. And he said, well, because we've got two great drivers, which, yeah. you know, which could go either way. That could be solid or it could, you know, it could go the other way. So hopefully they can push towards it. I, I just want to see... You know, I obviously want Mercedes to win or I want yeah. Hamilton to win um, come the end of the season. But, you know, I'll be I'll be happy with a with a with a fight between at least two teams, hopefully a third or maybe a fourth Aston Martin as well. But honestly, just looking forward to a, a good racing with no uh, no human errors made at the end of it. <laughs> it's uh, it's starting to sound a little bit to me like. Yes, you want Mercedes to win. You kind of want Ferrari to win. Aston Martin being up there would be fantastic. But the overall message I'm getting from this is you don't want Red Bull to win. So Max Verstappen, back-to-back world champion. Is it, you know, is he going to do it again? Is he going to three-peat? Or is there going to be trouble in paradise? Checo obviously not happy at the end of last season. How do you see that playing out? Yeah, you know, Verstappen, as much as I dislike him, he is he is a level above everyone else and has been for the last season. Um, obviously 2021 was very, very painful for me, how it ended, whatever people want to say about that in my, you know, in my opinion, that was, you know, a farce what happened. It was, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to be one of those fans that keeps going on about the past, but so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But that was an amazing, aside from that, that last race, that was just absolutely incredible season we had, um, you know, we had all the elements of a great season. We had great races, controversy. 
and then just a little bit too much controversy at the end. So another season like that, again, you know, obviously I want Lewis to win, but what I care about more is a, a good battle. Obviously it was, you know, for, for me, even when Lewis was winning all of his championships relatively easily, yeah. that still wasn't as good as, you know, seasons like the early 2010s where we had going into the last race, you had five drivers that could have won the championship. Yeah. You know, that that's what I want to see more than anything. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the sport more than I am a fan of, a of anyone, yes, yeah, yeah. a single team. So, so hope there's any 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 good competitive season, and yeah. hopefully not, um, you know, not uh, a like first half season. season like we had last season. Um, what about Red Bull then and this pairing? As I mentioned there, Checo unhappy in Brazil. Um, Max, you know these cryptic messages over the radios, and he gave his reasons. Is there more going on behind the scenes than meets the eye at Red Bull? Yeah, that was definitely, you know, that was definitely an interesting moment that happened between them and, you know, rumours that that Perez perhaps crashed on purpose at Monaco. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, that's one of the things about Red Bull, that there is a lot of controversy that goes on behind the doors. It's it's not like, you know, there's, a, you know, and with, with a, you know, with, with 2021, the season that happened, and then with the regulation breaches that have happened and with dumping drivers left, right and centre, yeah. and now the driver's not getting on. It's just, you know, it doesn't, it's it's not a it's not a team that gives me good vibes. So um, you know it's interesting to see if there is anything going on behind closed doors with them and if they have resolved any issues they may have. But it seemed clear to me at Brazil that there was something something going on under the surface there. Um, breach of regulations, as you said, towards the end of last season, reduced wind tunnel time this year. They've built a rocket ship. It was the fastest car in the grid last year, and that was that was obvious from from early doors. I don't imagine they've had to do too many adjustments this year because they know the car is so quick. But do you think that reduced wind tunnel time will affect them this well, season? Well, the main sanctions that they're going to receive will actually really only come into effect for next season. So, so, next season, so this right, okay. so this season they're not massively affected by. The are they sanctions. Get, are they getting any reductions in? Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what what's happening for this season, but but that this season I think will probably be their last. Well, this is I think. I think that there's there's more chance of them being worse next season than okay. there is this season. Yeah. Obviously, they they're in terms of improvement from last year. They're they're again sort of in that middle with Alpha Tauri. Uh, so, but that you know they they developed massively throughout the whole of last season. So they're still the car to beat. I think that you know maybe their thinking is this is the last year that they're going to really get to get get to you know push for a, or have you know less struggles because they they might struggle a lot, struggle a lot more lot next season so it's going to be interesting to see uh but it does seem like they're still a pick above the rest this season there you go folks the 2023 formula one preview morgan has already said red bull's winning it but they're not winning it next year so you've already got an early insight into the 2024 season you, preview. Know, uh, you never know with with adrian newey <laughs> designing those cars you never you know that they, they they there's still a very good chance that they overcome those regulations but and you, still manage to win. You don't uh, you don't foresee a, a Mercedes style situation where they dominate the sport for the next eight years. Nine it's years. Uh, it's going to be more difficult for them because Mercedes never had to go through a sanction like this. You know, yeah. the closest thing they have was the, the closest thing they had was 2021, where the FIA introduced regulations that were designed uh, to benefit the high rake cars such as yeah. Red Bull more than the low-rate cars such as Mercedes yeah. and Aston Martin, which is why they struggled that season. Obviously, Mercedes and, and Red Bull were very close throughout that season. Um, but that's the only real struggle they've had. And that wasn't a sanction. That was just a you know a regulation imposed to try and bring the, the teams closer together. So it's going to be more difficult for Red Bull. But as I said, when they've got you know one of the sport's best designers at the helm, no matter how much controversy is behind the team, 
they they can still find a way. So I won't rule them out. Just you know, they they could they could be stripped of all their points, and I still wouldn't rule them out of winning it. <laughs> so time to put our, our our chips on the table, our our money where our mouth is. A couple of predictions here. Um, give me your top five in the constructors. Uh, I think fifth will be. I'm going to go fifth, Alfa Romeo. Okay. I do, you know, they've made a big improvement from last year. I think normally that spot would go to Alpine or McLaren. Yeah. But I think that they seem at the start of this season they seem way too off the pace. Um, McLaren, you know, they were very slow at the lo- start of last season as well. So I think if I was gonna, if I was gonna pick a P5, it would be a toss up between Alfa Romeo and McLaren. Okay. Uh, fourth place. Well, I'll, I'll I'll go alongside you. And I've I've went for Alpine. I just think that they've they've such a strong driver pairing that uh, they'll be able to drag points out of it somewhere. Fourth place. Uh, I think Aston Martin will finish fourth. Yeah. Um, obviously, again, that's quite it's quite a contentious one because we don't actually know how much they have improved. It seems like they've improved a lot, but we don't know how long that is going to last through the season. They are a bit of an unknown factor, but we also know through the history of Force India and, and Racing Point that that team's DNA is designed to be best of the rest, basically. So so I think we could see a strong push from them and finish fourth overall. Yeah, I'm alongside you there with that one. I've asked Martin fourth. So the top three then, um, do we see any change from last year's Stantons? How do you see it playing out? Who, th- who's, who's in third? Yeah, so I think the easy answer would be to say Mercedes third, Ferrari second and Red Bull first. But yeah. I think... Be brave. Go I'm going I'm, I'm to go with Ferrari third and Mercedes second and Red Bull first. And because how far ahead will Red Bull be? I think Red Bull will be significantly far ahead. I hope not. I'm really hoping that even if they do win it, I just hope it's closer than than it has been. Um but you know I think I think Mercedes will have a you know they had such a strong development year last year whereas Ferrari did not. They did not develop their car well enough last year. So if we can just take last year as an example of how well Mercedes developed their car throughout the year and how poorly Ferrari did I think, you know, Ferrari will start as the stronger car, as it seems to be at the moment. But I do think throughout the season, Mercedes will will move past Ferrari. I think it'll be closer than last season. Though I, don't, I don't think the championship will be over halfway through the season, yeah. basically. But I do think Red Bull will still be the team to beat throughout the whole season. And I think, hopefully, that by the end of the season, Mercedes will be pushing them for wins and, and if not, winning more races at the end of the season. But I think by then it will be too late. Excellent. So we've talked about the teams, the men in the car... Drivers' Championship starting in fifth place. I'll go first. I have Checo Perez down in fifth. Yeah. What so, do you reckon? So really, we we have a, you know for for the top five drivers, we only really have a selection from what we can look at now. Obviously, you could bring the Aston Martin drivers, well, one of the drivers from yeah. Aston Martin into the mix. But I think realistically, the most the most uh, realistic view you can take is that there's going to be the six drivers from the top three teams in there. So basically, the driver we're excluding. Uh, is is there's going to be one drive we exclude from the top six? So, it's I think it is a toss up between Perez and Sainz. I do think that you know I do rate Sainz highly. I think he'll have a better year than last year. He you know he had a good year, but I think he needs to take that extra step forward as well. Uh, so I'm going to put Perez sixth and Sainz fifth. Okay. Um, now you mightn't like this one. You might disagree with it. I've went Lewis Hamilton in fourth place. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, yeah, I do. I do disagree. I I, I don't think that Lewis. I don't think Lewis gets beaten by George this season. Um, okay. You know, I, I rate George extremely highly. He's one of my favourite drivers. Yep. Um, you know, I think he is in that top tier of driver. Uh, but as I as I mentioned earlier, 
I think the the gap in the standings last year was purely down to that first half of the season where Lewis was doing the developmental work. And as we saw, we saw towards the second half of the season who the stronger driver was really. And Lewis had a really, really, despite that win that Russell had, that win was effectively made by Lewis. So, yeah. so I do think that Lewis will beat Russell this season. Uh, I will go George in fourth. Um, Are you putting Lewis third then? Oh. I'm going to put Lewis second and Leclerc third. Okay, well, I have Lewis fourth, George third. I just thought, as I was saying to you, be bold, be brave, go go, go with something a bit different. I think George can challenge Lewis this year. Um, I have Charles in second, Charles Leclerc, and Max Verstappen win the championship. And I imagine, obviously, <laughs> yours is the same then with Max up top, yeah? Yeah, so so I think Max Max is, you know, you, you'd be crazy to bet against Matt winning, yeah. Max winning it this season. And again, I don't think it's going to be a title fight necessarily. I don't think I don't think Lewis finishing in second is going to be, you know, I think it's going to be more like uh, Perez and Leclerc last season where they, you know, either of them could have finished uh, yeah. second in the championship. So, and uh, with with Max clearly in front. So I think Max was, I don't think the gap will be as huge as it was last season. I think the, the cars, you know, Mercedes will develop closer to them. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, I think Ferrari will have a stronger first half, but if, if Mercedes can continue this trend they've had of, of, of amazing development, then I think Lewis can uh, can pip Charles at the end. But I think it's going to be, re- I think it's a complete toss up between those two, honestly. Yeah. Um, right. Let's have a quick look at, at the calendar. We'll not go through every race. There's 23 of them. Is that too many? It's it's getting it, it it is getting a bit controversial now. How many races there are? Obviously, F one is going on this whole you know we race as one uh, and you know trying to be carbon neutral and all this sort of stuff and and trying to protect the planet. But we're adding more and more races. That's lots. There's so many air miles and they're zigzagging not, back and forth. And they're not being efficient with them either. You know, we go we go from one side of the world to the other, uh, you know, and then back again yeah. multiple times throughout the season. So I think that is. You know, it's quite. It's it's not the best look for them. I think they could handle it better. Obviously, you know, who am I to tell them what they should, how how they should organise their F one calendar? But from just a you know from a, from a onlookers perspective, it just it doesn't from seem using a bit of common sense and looking when because yeah. obviously we've seen videos and we've seen the diagrams and you know, as you said, back and forth, back and forth across the Atlantic. I don't know how many times it could be designed so much better, but maybe as you said. What the hell do we know? Yeah, it's that, it's that way for a reason. Yeah, and you know, and the, and the thing is as well, you know, it's not just hard. You know, it's not just for the environment as well. It's extremely hard on the drivers, but even more so on the teams. You know, yeah. I, I I've known people that have worked in Formula One that go to the you know yeah. that work on the car, go to races, and they go to every race. And you know, it's 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 the hardest. You know, they they seem absolutely broken when they come back from a triple header. You know, it, it's it's such a difficult job moving everything from place to place, setting up, working all weekend, working yeah. ridiculous hours late into the night. So to do that twenty three times in a year, yeah, I suppose know, that's almost a, that's, half the entire year is spent. That's a huge misconception that I think a lot of people uh, who don't really break it down like that would think of the sport that oh, sure you just get to travel the world. It, yeah, it's not plain sailing, is no, it really? Not at all. Not at all. Um. So we've got, obviously, season starts this weekend in Bahrain, then on to Saudi Arabia, and then down to Australia. We've got three races in the States this year. Qatar's back on the calendar. Um, what, what are your thoughts of the, of the circuits that are on board this year overall? Yeah, so obviously there is some controversy, with, uh, especially with this new rule that's been brought in that basically denies drivers to have a free speech, yep. going to countries where, you know, Lewis has been has publicly spoken out against uh, 
certain aspects of their cultures, you know, like in Qatar and, and, and uh, Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia. So there's definitely some controversy um, in terms of, you know, especially promoting the we race as one message that, that that's somewhat controversial. Um, and as well as having three race, races in the States, I'm not, you know, I'm not the, the biggest hater of that. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but, you know, we've got three races in the States across, you know, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, one in the centre. So yeah. it's a big place. Three three different markets completely as well. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not, you know, you, you like your American sports. I, yeah. I've Over the past couple of years, I, I've been huge into American sports as well. So I do understand it. You know, it, it's people forget that, you know, lots of states are bigger than the entire yeah. United Kingdom. Yeah. So so it, it is like having three different races in three different countries. But then obviously, you know, we've got Canada uh, and Mexico as well. I think what's really missing is a race in Africa as well. Yeah. Do, do you see that, that come back anytime soon in South Africa? I, I think obviously more people are pushing towards it. Lewis has spoken about it. Max has spoken about it. And he very rarely speaks about, you know, anything. Issues. So, um you know, anything outside of just the in-car performance. So it's, it's definitely hopefully moving that right way. Obviously the, the main, the main uh, prospect is Kyle army in South Africa, which is a, was yeah. an awesome track. And, you know, I just, I think, I think there are some, some places on the calendar that don't need to be there. Whereas I think a track in Africa does need to be there. Yeah. Uh, just going back briefly there to America, obviously we've seen Austin for over 10 years now, or this will be the 11th year. I think it is. Um, Miami was its first race there last season. We haven't seen Las Vegas yet. Las Vegas is a Saturday night race. Um, what do you make of that? What do you make? What do you make of all, all all three tracks out there? Yeah, so Miami this year was a pretty, you know, it was a good spectacle, but it wasn't the best race. And you know, some things came off came off a bit too fake. You know, like yeah. the whole fake <laughs> marina and all this and all that sort of stuff. So it does seem, you know a little bit contrived on the Miami side. I think Austin's always been a good, I've got absolutely zero problems with Austin yeah. at all. It's a great track. Um, there's a great culture around there. Miami is going to have some teething problems uh, as so will Las Vegas as well. So obviously Las, Las Vegas will be the spectacle of the season. Yeah. And it just depends on, you know, I think if the racing is good enough, uh, the spectacle will 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 be good as well. So uh, just 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 hoping that there'll be good races there and and they can justify being on the calendar, as well as their you know their their commercial side of things. Uh, the Miami Paddock is in the in, is on the field in Hard Rock Stadium this year. Something completely different, the likes of which has never really been done before. Is that too gimmicky for you? Is that you know pandering too much to an American audience, or do you have no real problem with it? No, I you know. It's like with with you know I'm I I don't watch things like you know I don't watch Drive to Survive. It's it's not a you know it's not like a for me it's not like a hardcore fan yeah. thing you know with diff- you don't need it like wrong wrong audios and stuff used that you yeah. know if you know for you if you're watching an LF- NFL program and you know that something's been lifted from somewhere else exactly and you know that something's completely wrong it would just frustrate you. But for yeah. in terms of getting new fans into the sport, I'm not you know I'm not I I think it's absolutely brilliant for the sport yeah. and getting new fans into it. It's what the sport needs. You know, getting more younger people to get involved yeah. in it. Um, so I've got no problem with that and you know with the Miami thing as well I've got no problem with trying to bring in a bigger audience yeah. obviously it can come off a bit gimmicky a bit annoying for you know a quote hardcore fan like myself so it wouldn't I don't hate it uh, but I also don't think it's particularly necessary but I also you know I do see if it brings in more people to sport then I think that's good that's a good thing yeah um, back to Europe then uh, no 
Paul Ricard, France is off the calendar. Thank and God. And a major, shall we call it, adjustment in Spain. The final chicane is gone. Is that going to promote better racing? Is that going to make that a better race? Well, f- first of all, I'm just glad Paul Ricard is gone because I, I, there is a spot <laughs> reserved in hell for the person that designed that track. It is, it is absolutely horrible to. I, I've, you know, I've, I've driven it on the simulator and and yeah. and and seen the racing there over the years, and I just, I just absolutely hate it. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that's gone. In terms of Spain, it's, I think it's a good track. It's a good track to drive. Yep. It's, it's. I think that chicane will help somewhat. It will give people a much better run onto the back straight, but I don't think it's good. It's not going to revolutionise it. It's, it's going to still be a relatively same old race. It will be slightly, I think it will be better, but that's that, that one change isn't going to revolutionise the race into being one of the best of the season. Um, I'm glad you said something there about Paul Ricard and having been in the simulator on it. Um, what a lot of people might not know about Morgan is that you've raced on quite a few of these circuits. Um, you know, on actual Formula One circuits that, you know, we would just watch normally on the TV. From the circuits that are on this year's calendar, first of all, which ones to let the people know, which ones have you raced at and what have been your favourite? So on the calendar this season, I've raced at Spa in Belgium and and Silverstone uh, quite a few times now. That's probably my most common track I've raced at. Um yeah, I haven't raced at any other. I've raced at other tracks that you yes. know, like Brands Hatch, yeah. that used to be on the F1 calendar a long time ago, and, and stuff, and Donington. Um, but no, Spa is just a. It's an amazing, amazing place. It is. It is church. It's. Yeah. It's. 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 I when I when I when I got there, I've I've been there before, <clears throat> but I drove. I raced there for the first time this year, and as I pulled into the paddock, I I literally got goosebumps. It is a special, special place to go to, and especially to race at. So, and Silverstone as well, awesome track. Yeah. And then I've, I've been to a handful of, you know, I've been to a few international races like uh, like um, Abu Dhabi and, and Monaco and then uh, and been to other tracks around the world as well. So uh, it's it's in terms of tracks I've actually driven, Spa, yeah. Spa is just it's just incredible. And it's such a long track as well. It's still the longest on the, on yeah, the calendar. Yeah, 7.004 so kilometres. So it's it's huge. Um, and it comes across like that on TV. What's it like when you're actually there, you know, yeah, t- TV massive. doesn't even do it justice. Yeah, it, you know, you have you have to even if you just go as a fan, you just you have to go there yeah. it, it, for any race. It doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be a Formula One race. You know, if 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 it doesn't actually take. You know, we drove there. Uh, you know, it takes obviously for me, it takes a couple hours to get down to the tunnel, and then yeah. you hop across, and then it's you know, it's only four, three, four hours to get to Spa from there. So if you know, if if you ever have the opportunity to go to just go there even if there's not a race on just to witness it just to witness it obviously the best thing to do is watch racing there um but you know it's just such an incredible place buried overall. in the middle of a forest the Arden forest i think it yeah. is um and you always hear the commentators talk because the, the race is always in and around september time um of this microclimate and how yeah the, you, you it, never like when i was there this year uh we had um the for, we the forecast would change every two minutes you know it would say it should be rain chucking it down it'll be clear yeah. bright blue skies so it's absolutely true what they say um spa you can never rely on what the uh, what the meteorologists say about spa because we had it this year we weren't sure if the race was going to be wet or dry uh or if it was if the track was going to dry up in time it was going to rain again you know luckily i two of my race i've had three races there two were dry one was drying 
so but we were we had absolutely no idea until the very last minute if it was we were gonna have to use wet tires or dry tires so so it it does yeah that is exactly right it has its own climate uh and there'll be a lot of people listen to this i'd say probably 99 percent of the people listening to this will never experience that uh other than on a video game what is Try try your best to describe Orange Radeon. It's it's up the it's like a roller coaster. Really, you know, it's you have the compression at the bottom, yeah. and then you got this extremely, you know, it's what I said about Brand. If anyone knows, if anyone has seen Brand's Hatch, the first corner is Paddock Hill Bend, and it's extremely steep right hander that goes downhill. And you know, I drove that for the first time a few years ago, and I thought this nothing does it justice. Not the simulator, not going to watch races at the track, nothing does it justice until you actually drive in. It's the same with O'Rouge and Radion. You just you don't experience that feeling until you actually do it. So the closest thing I can say is imagine it's like a roller coaster that goes really fast and (laughs) then goes down really fast and up really fast. It's just it's just incredible. are you just staring off into the sky? Obviously, because you're you're so low to the ground yourself, you can see a few meters ahead of you. But because you're going up that hill, yeah, at that crest, like, there's a little bit of a blind spot at the crest yeah. of the hill. Um, but no, it's it's just it's just a completely it's an amazing experience. It's it's the best track in the world. Uh, and you had a bit of an unfortunate incident at Silverstone uh, recently. One of your cars um, caught fire. I assume is what was what the yeah, issue so was. Yeah, so it was a race at Silverstone. Uh, so this was a, the last race we did. This is actually the last time I was on track, which is quite depressing. Um, but we're, we're back on track soon. But uh, no, we, we were doing a race, uh, me and my brother, and he, he started the race. Yeah. He came into the pit stops to change over to me. As we were in the pits, a Code 60 came out, which is like a virtual safety car in yeah. Formula One. So, you, you, so I got in the car, came out, and you have to stay at 60 kilometers an hour. And to do that, uh, you know, I was told stay on the pit limiter. Uh, so... But unfortunately, an issue with the pit limiter sort of meant that excess fuel was sort of pumped out of the engine into the exhaust pipe. And the exhaust pipe is obviously extremely hot. And it just got so hot, it just lit at about 1,000 degrees Celsius and then just caught light of the back. Luckily, luckily it wasn't the engine that blew up itself. um, But uh, no, that was a pretty huge fire. Um, What's what's that experience like? I mean, obviously you're seeing it in the mirrors, there's just flames flying out everywhere yeah so so all i you know this was this was on my out lap out of the pit so yeah. all i knew was i came out of the last so i'd already done a full lap and i came out of the last corner and i sort of look in my right hand mirror because in this in the mosler it's a rear engine car with a firewall in between us so i yeah. can't look through the rear view yeah. mirror yeah the only way i've got looking at behind me are the wing mirrors yeah. on the side so i looked over to my right i saw a bit of white smoke coming out of the back i thought that's strange I look over to my left and another car has pulled up alongside me and is waving frantically at me. And I look back to my right mirror and there's a huge plume of black smoke that's come out. So luckily we're along the pit wall. Um, I didn't panic. I pulled over to the side, switched the battery master off. I didn't ignite the uh, the fire extinguisher because that just focuses on the cockpit itself, doesn't it? Focus okay. on the engine. So, you know, my thought process, at this, I didn't have much of a thought process at the time. This was all, you know, very, very quick. But I didn't press that. I just turned the battery master off, which was important. Got myself out of there and and helped put the fire out with extinguishers. And is this the old pit straight or is this the... This the is the national pit straight. Okay. Yeah, the old one before Cops. Yeah. So uh, just outside Cops, um, you know, if you go on my Instagram at Morgan Short Racing, I'll, I'll, I'll plug it now. If you go Please on there, do. you can see uh, you can see the extent of the fire. It was pretty huge and the smoke, you could see the smoke probably from Buckinghamshire. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, it was it was a pretty intense moment. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm glad that my brother wasn't in the car because yeah. that's one of the things with more experience. You know, I've had more incidents and stuff like that where you have to think yeah. fast in the moment than he has. So I, I knew what to do in the moment and, and didn't panic. And, you know, luckily my only, my only, 
ailments from it were a bit of a headache from the uh, from the smoke fumes and the fire extinguisher fumes. Apart from that, yeah. and, and the car, if the engine had gone, that would have been a that would have been huge. So luckily, it could have been a lot worse than it was. It was just the bodywork at the rear and and some gearbox bits, but it could have been a lot worse. Uh, I would absolutely one hundred percent encourage anybody that's listening to go to Morgan Short Racing on Instagram and look at that picture. I was going to use it whenever I was sharing to say that you were coming on the podcast, but I didn't feel like that was fair to say. <laughs> That the, the the person the, the racer that's coming on with with all the expertise and here's here's a picture, uh, of of his car burning, outside of burning wreckage <laughs> of a car. Yeah, I didn't think that was fair, so I'll maybe share it after and, and let the people know what we're talking about. Um, that's the calendar. I feel like we, we've touched base on, on on everything pretty well there. Um, so we've noted down some predictions, um, some structured ones, and then we've three random ones each that we'll, that we'll use just to finish off here. Um. Number one then is most race wins, and I feel like that's uh, that's an obvious one to predict. I've went Max Verstappen. Yeah, that's, that's that's probably you know, if if you were going to place a bet on anything, that'd be the bet to place it on. Yeah, uh, most overtakes this season for a driver. Uh, I think Vettel got it last season, didn't he? It was or yeah. Yeah, it was Vettel that got it last season. So you know, the thing is with overtakes, you could look at it as oh, the you know the best drivers yeah. going to get the most or the fastest car. That's not uh, you know they're normally they have less cars back. to overtake. Yeah. So I think it will be a car further back. I'll go. I'll go for Norris. I'll go for Norris. I I've went with Alonso. Now I know it sort of uh, contradicts this this theory that he might be at the front of the grid, but on the off chance that he's not, you know, I, I reckon he's if the car's somewhat racy, he he has traffic to pass. I, I yeah. think he'd be able to do it. Um, closest inter team rivalry, closest driver pairing at the end of the season, points wise. You know, quality head to heads. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think, like I said, I think the most, the best driver pairing is Russell and and George, uh, as I said in in the earlier section. So Russell and Lewis. So Russell and George, yeah, <laughs> Russell and George. Uh, no, Russell and Lewis. I think, I think they'll be. I think they are the best driver pairing. Uh, so I would, I would, I would back them to finish close at some points this season. Uh, I went for Alpine just because I think there's a bit of unknown between it. Uh, obviously, Alcon is what we were talking about earlier. has been in that team for a long time, but Gasly is a quick driver, uh, and he hasn't had a lot of learning to do in his career. Obviously, he he, he got um, demoted from Red Bull back down into AlphaTauri, but he he was steady there for for a few years. Um, this is the first time he's had to learn a new car in, in a while. Um, but I think he'll take it quick. I think he'll enjoy the challenge of the French brand representing his country that way. So I, th- I just, I just, there's something in my head that's just telling me that that's uh, going to yeah, be that's, that's, that's definitely a solid shout. Um, best race. Hmm. I think obviously, yeah. Such a wide scope. And I think, but. I think, I think the two I would be inclined to go for were, would be Baku and Brazil. I think yeah. Brazil is all you know most of the time it produces bangers i think and then yeah. baku something crazy always happens at baku so i think if i was going to go for one of those two maybe baku i think i think that uh i think we're due a, a good race at baku so i'd go for that one yeah that's what i also have down uh best rookie i've went to Vries, even though there's not a large pool to pick from no i've gone piastri piastri yeah um quickest pit stop of the season uh well, obviously, sort of halfway through last season, they implemented a rule that would sort of limit the slow pit, them you down. Know, slow them down, but it hasn't really slowed them down no. much at all. So I think I think Red Bull is such a well-oiled machine; it will be Red Bull again. And if if I had to do an outside pick, I'd go Williams because they they always they always seem to be somewhat good at pit stops as well. Um, where which track, what race will the championship be won? I'd like I'd want to say Brazil. 
yeah. because I think championships should end at Brazil. Uh, if you just pop, pass me the calendar a second, yes. I'll take a look as well. Um, I think the championship. I think you know Japan is the most uh, is the is the track where the championship has been won at the most, and that's yeah. sort of around that sort of point where if a car, if a team is sort of slightly ahead, or yeah. you know that little bit too far ahead, that's sort of in around that sort of time where it will be won. So, but I'll go for the. I'll go for the outside pick and I'll go Qatar instead, which is the race after Japan. Um, how, do, how do you think that would be received? Not, not, like, not that it would be received badly, but it's only the second time that LaSalle, this circuit, will be on, on the track. I think they're moving to a street circuit in Doha yeah, in, yeah. in a few years. But um, I, for the record, I've went with Austin. I've went with the USA. Um, Qatar, I think... That, that would be maybe just a bit strange because it's not a permanent, you know, fixture on yeah, the calendar. But, uh, but you know, we we know that out there they like to put on a show, you know, yeah, with with Jeddah true. and Abu Dhabi. You know, there's been plenty of titles won at Abu Dhabi as well, and you know, they're in very similar parts of the world. They'll have very similar, you know, I'm I'm sure they'll 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 put on a show like Abu Dhabi does as well. So I think it will be a bit strange, but I also think yeah. that you know, I think they'll, they'll they'll put on a show for it. So I think it'll be fine if it is one there. What do, what, do you, what do you make of that circuit? I know we've moved on from the calendar, but just quickly, obviously the last time they were there, the tyres got eight up. Like yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a cool circuit. I think um, I, I the drivers seem to really enjoy it. It's like yeah. you know, it's a it's a it's a MotoGP circuit, which are always very flowing, and the drivers love them because driving those cars around there is just you know, although it might not might not be the best for racing, but the best tracks to drive are the one with the fast corners and yeah. and, and the flowing track like Saudi Arabia. Like uh, like Qatar, Lasalle. So, so I think the drivers will enjoy it. I think again, I think we've got a pretty decent race there in twenty twenty one, and it will be interesting. So I think it will be a solid race. And if the championship is won there, I think they'll put on a good show for it as well. Um, right, moving on then to three three random predictions. Neither of us know what, what the other one has said here. Um, I my first one is McLaren to just struggle disastrously, struggle very poorly. Yeah, I think that's 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 not that's not. Uh, a particularly wild take. I yeah. think. I think from testing, we've seen that they're one of the poor teams. I'll 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 counter that and say I think that McLaren will, uh, by the end of the season, be back on pace like they they sort of were last season. I think because last yeah last season they had a very very poor start. As did most of the Mercedes yeah. cars. You know the Aston Martin, Mercedes, and the McLaren were three in you know the three out of the slowest cars last season. So I'll counter that and I'll say that I think McLaren will have a slow start, but I think they'll uh, they'll be. I think even if they don't finish best of the rest or in that top five or that top yeah. half, I think they will be in that top half of fastest teams at the end of the season. Um, so I know I said about Alonso and the overtakes. I'm going to once again completely contradict myself, um, which I tend to do a lot whenever I'm doing these podcasts. Uh, I'm buying slightly into the hype, into the Aston Martin hype. I said Alonso to have three podiums. And I know that's a lot. One would be plenty. Three's a lot. But... Um, thought I'd go a bit bold no I'll, I'll go along similar lines I think that's again I think that is not necessarily from what we've seen over pre-season testing and what other teams have said I True. think I don't think that's particular you know that, that could definitely happen I'll go for Stroll to get another pole position this year oh I like that I think if we get I another like wet that. wet qualifying he, yeah. he's obviously for some reason he's absolutely incredible in the wet always yeah. has been um he's got He's got a pole position and he's he's qualified very very well in the past in the wet before. So I think if there's another wet race and the Aston Martin is competitive, I'll I'll, I'll book a prediction in for Stroll to get a pole position this year. I really like that one. And then I've went for and um, I'm hoping you like this one. Either Mercedes to win at Silverstone. 
Yeah, that would be great. I mean, obviously, Lewis, Lewis, that, Silverstone was one of the first races of the season where Mercedes started to be sort of towards that front pack yeah. and sort of looked like they could compete. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way in the end. Um, but yeah, that would be amazing to see. I, was, I go to the British Grand Prix every year and it was just watching that watching that battle live was just was just incredible so hopefully we have more stuff like that and uh i'll 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 just put in a i'll i'll put uh i'll put a prediction in for Mercedes. so each each of uh each of lewis and george to win two races each oh i like it that is that's, that's really bold um yeah, you say you go to the British Grand Prix every year. Have you the same seats every year? Have you? Uh, so, so generally we sit at Turn One. So, uh, since my since my my dad is a BRDC uh, member, we get we get really good access to the Grand Prix each year. So yeah. we get to sit at Turn One Farm Curve. Yeah. Uh, so normally we sit there. This year I didn't sit there, and, and we had different seats of all uh, of all the all years the done. years because obviously this year we had that joe incident where he ended up in the barrier at turn yeah. one and that literally if if we were sat there i would have literally been about two meters away from where he landed so obviously we would have been completely safe obviously yeah. it's not an issue of that but it would have been very cool to see we've, we've seen a number of you know I, I specifically remember for some reason rio harianto crashing there in like 2014 <laughs> or something 2014 2015 something like that so it's it's always a good spot to watch you obviously you get a view of the start of the race this year i was watching from the brdc suite at, uh, at brooklands which is always a good spot to overtake always a good spot to watch from there's lots of overtaking going on there so but we always normally we are sat at turn one but i'm not i'm not sure what our plan will be for this year um well, that's that's pretty much it. Um, anything else you want to add in? Any anything? Um, I mean, I feel like we've covered all bases there. We've got our predictions in. We've covered every team. We've covered pretty much all of the uh, the calendar. Um, yeah, well, like, like I said, I just, I just hope you know. Obviously, my ideal situation is is Lewis wins that eighth world title yeah. as as a, as a Lewis or or you know then George or yeah. Leclerc. Those three are my favourites. But the but under, more than anything, I just want to see a close battle between at least Max two teams. Verstappen. I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll, if he wins, if he wins, I'm ha- I'm fine with it as long as there's been a good battle for it. Because you know, I can as much as I don't, I, you know, I don't like him. Uh, uh, obviously, I don't yeah. know him personally, but I, I don't <laughs> like his his style and how he how he comes across. It's undeniable that he is, you know, at the moment he's the best driver in the sport, the most informed driver, um, and the and the fastest. So. You, I have absolute respect for him for that, and you know he, he he's been he's been given the tools to win, and but like I said, I, I'll be happy with any season as long as it's a close battle. So hopefully we get that this season. At Morgan Short Racing on Instagram, go and give it a follow. Follow Morgan throughout the year and his brother Marcus, and see how they get on for the National Motorsport. Uh, am I getting that Academy. right? National National Motorsport Academy. Have to get that right. Um, follow their journey throughout the rest of this year and this season and everything else after that, Morgan. Thank you very much. No problem. It's Thank been, you for it's having It's been me. a lot of fun. And that's it, folks. That's the uh, the 2023 Formula One season, all previewed and ready to go. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun uh, alongside Morgan and you. Um, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, as well as Morgan's page on Instagram, at Morgan Short Racing, you can follow the podcast page at the McLav Podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you all in the next episode of the McLav Podcast. Thanks.